Here's the situation. You're hired as a spy and have to go undercover taking a job that's no simple job. Instead, it requires some level of expertise. You can choose any five jobs in the world to list for the jobs that you will go undercover to do. But pick them based on the ones you think you could fake it for the longest without actually having any expertise or technical knowledge on how to keep that job. <laughs> wow, I'm, I'm glad I will not have to do this alone, Rush. Yes. Uh, right now, it's just that I'm TJ Jagodowski. And I'm Rush Howell. But we have a special guest who's gonna help us through today's episode, whose theme is a land down under over. A land down under over is, uh, I was a big Minute Work fan back in the back in the uh, early mid '80s. I loved loved me some Minute Work. First two yeah, albums, Minute Business Work, as Usual, Minute and then Work. Cargo. <laughs> yeah. I do want to say that Minute Work tangentially is how I got to that one that I just put uh, out there, which doesn't otherwise connect to Australia or over unders or anything right. like that. But. Um, but we're not alone, TJ. We're not. We have a, a good friend of ours, a fellow you've played with a ton, which I might actually work trying to work into a situation a little bit later. Um, but who uh, I have also known for for years and years and years, a, a wonderful gentleman, a phenomenal improviser, a fantastic teacher and author. Uh, but most most importantly for us right now, a contributor to here's the situation. This is Bill Arnett. Yes, hey, everybody. Hi, Billy. Hey. <laughs> Thanks for having me. It's a real, real treat. Real treat. I've been playing the home game, and now I get to play for real, I guess. Here we go. And we throw you right in. You know we try not to mess around, Billy. If you've heard oh, the yeah. show, we try and get right into it. So here's the situation. Um, you guys are going to do some over-unders, and I will um, name one of you and a category. I would like that person to set an over-under. I would like the other person to guess whether the correct answer is over or under, and then the person who first said it can tell them if they're correct or not. So for example, if I said, Billy Arnett, Miles, you've driven this calendar year, Billy would set a number on that, Rush would guess over under, and then Billy would tell him if he's correct on that guess, and you know, and so you don't know, need to know exactly how long you've driven, just as long as you can set a number that you know is over or under that amount, if that, if that makes enough sense. Okay. Cool. Yeah, got it. So here's the first one. Rush, you can choose um, if you know these. Uh, tell me if you do. Do you know your GPA either for high school, for undergrad, or for law school? Um, I think I roughly know uh, all three. Okay, great. Then you can pick whichever one you want. So Rush, it's your GPA for one of those times in your in your life okay um law school 3.8 law school 3.8 billy arnett over or <laughs> under well it's, it's sufficiently high to make me want to go over you know it's like <laughs> Uh, it's spooky. Uh, I certainly think Rush is a capable guy and probably a talented attorney. A 3.8, it's kind of spooky high. Uh, uh, but then again, you said it that high, it was, you know, I, I think probability, I'm going to say under just for laws of averages here. Rush, what is it? You are correct. <laughs> you are correct. Under the 3.8. Under the 3.8. All right. Uh, we won't say how much because, you know, 
picked a number that I, I think I was over for undergrad and uh, and and high, and and high school three eight, but under in law school. Okay, <laughs> um, Billy, Billy, you're a married man. I am. Yeah. All right, Billy. The uh, amount number of months you dated before getting married. All right, uh, and in, in Russianized history of of improvising a lot. The lady was around quite a bit. Okay. So, this is this is all right, so I got I got to be good here. He may yeah he may uh, or may not know uh, when you got engaged. He you know he uh, you know uh, months will go um, before marriage. Mm hmm. Before marriage. Yep. Okay. Uh, we're gonna go uh, twenty eight months. Oh, you yeah, that's dirty. <laughs> that's dirty. <laughs> So that's two say, years. That's two say, years and four months, right? Two years and four yeah. months is where Billy put it. Okay. I'm gonna say over because in my head I I had it at 29. Oh. Yeah, I mean just just guessing. Just it, I mean it, not guessing. It is, over. It, is over. it is over. It is over. All right. Liberal. All right. Okay. I didn't think. Is it under 36? Right around there. Right around okay. there. Yeah. All right. I, I thought a little. Uh, all right. Well, I love it. I got. We're two for two. It's <laughs> it's come up on the show before that Rush is not necessarily super schooled at music, so I'm just going to put that out there. But this is a well-known band, Rush. I'd like you to set the over/under for members of the Rolling Stones that you can name. First and last name. Uh, first and last name. Yeah. Two point five. Two point five. <laughs> oh boy is this point five mean a last name or a first name <laughs> no it just means it means i'm either over or under yeah he's, he's, he's there's no there will be, be there will be no pushes uh, yep. yeah uh i'm gonna say i'm gonna say under so beyond the big two i think rush is gonna be stuck <laughs> that's correct can't tell you who their drummer is can't tell you anything no beyond. no charlie watts no Bill Wyman. <laughs> no. <laughs> no Ronnie. No. Or, All right. Uh, Very nice. Or Jones. Uh, Mick no Jones. No, wait a minute. Yeah. There were some other ones in there. Yeah. Mick Jones might have been the Clash. Uh, but yes, there oh, was yeah. There was Keith Moon. No. Yeah. Who? Who? Okay. I can tell you that. Who's the yeah. dead guy? Uh, well. Well, that was a John, John, uh, John Paul Jones. Uh, so Paul we're over Jones. to Mighty Led <laughs> All right. Anyway, we can do this they forever. They all knew each other. They're all buddies. <laughs> right. Yeah. Billy. Uh, the number of foreign countries that you have set foot in, that you actually have put a foot down in. Yeah, I was a... about to count on my fingers. We're on Zoom. <laughs> like, oh, i got to hide my fingers here. Count, your, four, count on your four, toes. Four, we can't see that low. Six. Hmm, Okay. Six. Um, oh. I mean, wonder. I'm thinking about Caribbean islands. You know, mm. so you've got a couple of them sneak in. I'm going <laughs> to say, with low confidence interval, I'm going to say slightly over. Slightly over is correct. Wow, slightly you guys correct. are killing this. Nail. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, my folks traveled a lot when I was a baby. So ah. tour. My, my father worked for the airline, so we could like get around pretty easily. But I never stepped foot. I was a baby. So <laughs> I, I didn't count some of those Caribbean ones. Okay. All right. Uh, Canada and Mexico are a couple of gimmies. And once yeah. you're there, then 
head over to Europe and you're gonna you're uh, gonna hit that. Yeah. You guys are crushing this. I have I have a few more. Rush, the number of baseball caps in your home. For those of us who know okay. Rush pretty well, Rush is often baseball baseball capped in, in his in his leisure time. Quite often a Roger Federer lid. I know I've seen it, at least yep. a couple different kinds of those. Um, but it might be the same cap, so I, I I don't know. I've been to Rush's house, and I'm 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 not even sure exactly how many I would guess. So Rush, how many we're, caps we're, in your we're home? One right now. I don't think any of them have a baseball team on them. I don't even have a single Atlanta Braves hat, but they still count, right? Mm-hmm. All of these. Oh, yep. this kind of hat I'm wearing. Yep. Wearing right now. Okay. Um, I will say uh, over under is um, uh, 14. 14. Okay. <sighs> Look on your face, Billy says that was kind of in the neighborhood of what you had. What you in had mind. in mind. I, I feel like at some point, uh, you know, I've been to Rush's house a few times. There's just a random box in the corner by the front door that's just brimming. <laughs> with, with, yeah, no pun intended. Pun intended. I want to go over 14 baseball style caps. That is correct. Oh, my I'm, God. I'm, you uh, guys. I'm, probably in the, I'm in the low 20s. I, I probably have a dozen Federer hats and then... Um, I just have picked up a few hats along along the years, and I play tennis in a hat always. Wow. So uh, that's the key. I, I got to have a lot of hats for tennis. Man, I don't see you throwing a lot of stuff away. Now, I don't mean you're not by no means a yeah. pack rat, but like I can see you like you're not going to yeah. get rid of these Federer hats I've collected over the last decade. You're not gonna... No, not getting rid of the Federer hats. And by the way, good move by me not to because they, Nike no longer has the RF, and then Roger didn't have the RF for a long time, so you couldn't buy them. And so, uh, you know, there's that, but, uh, yeah, got a lot of hats and you're right. I need to do a little better job throwing stuff out. Did do an okay job during quarantine of finally unloading a fair amount of clothes, but, uh, keep too much stuff around. You guys good for a couple of more? Oh yeah. All right. Now, Billy, I don't think you'll know this one exactly. Anyone who has, who knows Bill Arnett would say he's an educated and a, a very intelligent gentleman. Um, and so I assume this number, well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to, I'm not going to put any, any pee in the well here. Uh, Billy, how many books in your home? A number you probably don't know exactly, but I'm guessing we'd be able to set an over under on, on that. How many physical books in your, in your home? Um, all right. Uh, let's do a quick, uh, um, if I, uh, 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 120. Okay. I'm, I'm fairly confident. Um, although I have not been to Bill's house in a while. I, I don't know when the last time I was up there, you know, maybe for like a fantasy football auction. But, yeah, you know, yeah. obviously pre-COVID. And obviously you don't um, recall him making the jump saying, uh, hey, I've, I've, I've switched to Kindle and, and gotten yeah. rid of. Yeah, no, no, all yeah, the- he wouldn't, he wouldn't run it by me. He'd be like, <laughs> I'm going to get rid of this uh, bookshelf full, full of books. But when I was there last, there was like a mighty bookshelf that in itself probably had, oh, I would have guessed, you know, a hundred books or so. So I'm, I'm going to say over, uh, when you, when you throw in probably a little, a few extra books hanging around the bedroom, you know, 
Uh, and then I'm not sure if this is fair or not, but uh, these kids are going to have some books. There's going to be all sorts of books uh, around, uh, you know, uh, children's books, maybe even some coloring books. I mean, the books, I, I think it's going to be well north of 120. Uh, yeah, if we, if we include spousal and child <laughs> yeah. books, uh, yeah. it's certainly over 120. Uh, yeah. that's, I should I should have been more clear. I, was, I left that door open. I left that door yeah. open. I, 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 I get every book in your house on this. Uh, yeah, yeah. You guys... I, I walked one home on that. That was, that was my bad. You guys remain perfect with one left for each of you. Um, rush. And and this, like, you could you could open your phone and just... Beep, boop, 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 beep, boop. Ex-girlfriends you could call right now. Uh, I'll tell you a funny story before I do that. <laughs> okay. um, so I, I dated this girl in law school who, um, and, and I told myself um, after we, after she broke up with me uh, and I had her number in my phone but I, um, I did not trust myself uh, to not call her, and I didn't want to call her. And so I put in a fake number for her in my phone so that a drunk version of myself uh, would, would, would not call her or wouldn't be able to. Um, and then elsewhere I had under a different name that I thought I wouldn't remember drunk, I guess I had her actual phone number. <laughs> and that was in 2000, that late 2005 that that occurred in 2009, uh, maybe eight, 2008 or nine. I was in Chicago, like years later, I hadn't talked to this girl in two years at least. And I called her like hammered and left mm-hmm. like a long message mm-hmm. and woke up the next day mm-hmm. and was just like, Oh my God, you know, like, what have I done? This is terrible. Shouldn't have done that. Feel really bad. And, and like the message, I was drunk. I mean, I don't know what I said exactly. Um, but I was mortified. So I go and I write her an email that just says, and I'm still drunk. Like it's one of those days you're, you're you got so drunk that you wake up the next morning, you think you're hungover or you're like, Ah, my hangover was not as bad as I expected. And then you realize you're still drunk. And I sent her an email while still drunk saying, Hey, really sorry about the call last night and the message. You know, um, I was, we were celebrating this thing and I got, it got out of hand and I just am really sorry. And uh, I get an email back like three days later. It's like, I don't know what you're talking about. You didn't call me. And I had still never changed the fake number, which I had kept in my phone. Uh, in order to prevent that very thing from happening, uh, and yet uh, I, I still fucked it up. Uh, so, <laughs> so, so I don't know how many real numbers versus fake numbers I have, but anyway, ex girlfriends <laughs> in my phone that I can reach out to. Um, I will say, uh, six and a half. Ooh, yeah, and it's, as and again, as despite you know, playing together for a long time and been around each other. That was not, that was never really a topic. Romantic stuff was not much of a topic between mm-hmm. the, the, the crew. Uh, mostly <laughs> just making fun of Danny. I was going to say, <laughs> Danny didn't come, Danny didn't come home and, and recount blow <laughs> yeah, by yeah. blow his, uh, his. <laughs> ooh, and six and a half. And what do you call a girlfriend? Uh, uh, but d- due to Russia's anecdote, 
of him worrying uh, <laughs> as much as I'd love to say over and give my brother a huge black book uh, of, <laughs> of endless numbers and names uh, due to that analog or analog due to that uh, anecdote. I'm going to go under six and a half. That is correct. I, de- I delete wow. the numbers. Uh, wow. I delete the numbers. So I think it's, it's probably zero. You guys Maybe are too one. good. Yeah. You guys are too yeah. good. All right. Lastly, well, actually, se- second to lastly, um, p- penultimately, Bill, um, yeah. and we'll say this is related by blood or by uh, marriage. So we'll sure. include, you know, includes those relatives. So family members, you know, voted for Trump this last time. Ironically, I have some family in Australia. Okay. <laughs> uh, coincidentally, I should say. Not ironically, but coincidentally. Include them. Uh, Include them if you want to. <laughs> uh, 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 vote, vote by, you know, the overseas, overseas vote. Um, I'm going to set the over under at um, 0. 0.5. Ooh. 0.5. Uh, look, Bill's from Florida. <laughs> Florida voted for Trump. I, look, the bottom line is uh, he set this line in such a way that he's really he's screaming at me that it's zero. He's and screaming he's, at me that it's zero. But the thing is, he's got to know they did. He can't like assume they did. You know, he's got to know this. The this, this information has had to make it to his ears, so he has to know that they did. Okay. So not even like a strong suspicion, nope. not even like a... Nope. He has to know that they know that they voted for Trump this last time, not the first time either, this time. Yeah, yeah, he's really, I mean, God, he's just begging me, he's begging me to say zero there, <laughs> which scares me, <laughs> scares me a little bit. Could be a subject not brought up in the Arnett, in the Arnett household, Florida, you know? From Florida, TJ, where like famously <laughs> want to know... What your relatives are doing now? I don't know how many of his relatives are currently in Florida. Um, could be very few. Could be all in Australia. Uh, <laughs> I I am going to take the bait. I'm going to take the bait. This is a mistake. I'm going to say under. He's, <laughs> he's fooled me into it. I'm going to say under. If we go one degree of separation, it is under. Uh, uh, more than one degree, I I, I do not know for certain. Uh, if we go beyond one degree, but one degree is is under. Wow! They're all from Florida, but they're all kids of college professors. Wow! Generations. So hard lefties, hard lefties in Alachua County and uh, and Orange County. Unbelievable! So, this yeah, is this yeah. is going to have to end in a tie. So 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 here's this this won't not act as a tiebreaker. I'm just interested in what you both want to say for this last one. So don't answer just yet. I'll count one, two, three, and then you'll both answer at the same time. Because you guys performed together for a long time. I would like yes. you guys both to set the number of shows you think you've done together. Okay. So just raise your hand when you feel like you have a number that you feel good about. And then when you both do that, I'll count one, two, three. And we'll see how close you are as to as to that, that same number. <clears throat> okay, ready? You guys both have your hands raised? Here we go. How many shows you guys have done together? One, two, three. 285. Okay. All right. So you guys, what, what was yours, Billy? Two, 230. 230. And Rush? I said 385. Wow. That's a, that's quite a spread. That's quite, yeah. that's 155 
I think I got this one. I, 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 I'm gonna. I think I lowballed it. I think I lowballed it. So. So Billy, you take uh, the over on your own number. I'm taking the over on my own number. Okay. I probably take the under, uh, under on my number, <laughs> but I think I think it's closer to 385 than 2 230. 50 we, a year. Yeah, we well we had we had probably an opportunity to do 60 a year together because we had traveling shows and nights where we did two shows. Um, took no holidays and, off and, and stuff like that. Or? We're pretty religious. Almost, for, for almost good, never. There weren't, weren't many where one of you was missing and one of you, one of you was and there. We did it. We did it for nine years. So we, had, so we had four hundred and fifty opportunities. Probably five hundred opportunities okay. to perform yeah. together. Yeah. And Bill rarely missed a show, and for six or seven years, I rarely missed a show, and then I missed quite a few more during. I, I traveled quite a lot in twenty fourteen and twenty fifteen for work. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's probably I, I you know if I had to I'd recalibrate, I'd say three thirty three or something like that. But I do think it's in the three hundreds, not the two hundred. Okay. Yeah, I would. Yeah, for sure. You and guys then, can. And then I did. Bill. Bill may not recall. Uh, oh, did I? You, you know, Bill and I. We probably did. So, so my guess is we did like two hundred eighty to three hundred thirty thirty threes or something. And then we we did at least thirty Armandos together. And sure. then we did. Um, odd people you, here you know, there. ten ten or fifteen people verse. Okay, so you're well over. You, you're. Are you saying you go closer to 400 now, Russ, or that 333 would no, be? No, no, I'm okay. probably a little high just because. So it probably wasn't 50. It was. It, yeah, I mean, look, we. I, I think. I think it, I'm not that far off. I bet it was right. 330 to 350. All right, incredible. Very nice job, gentlemen. That is. That was. That was really well done. Nicely. Yeah. Nicely gamed. All right. You know what? I'm just going to stick with the over-unders. Okay. We're, you know, we're right there. So, so here's the situation. Uh, and you, you guys are, are brought in um, to give some, uh, some over-unders about just anything in life uh, by, a, by a gambling uh, operation to test and see whether or not you're going to be good to set, um, set some odd prop desk over-unders. They already got their sports guys covered, but they need some odd prop desk uh, guys. So I'm going to give a thing uh, to either um, TJ or Bill or to both of you and have you do the three, two, one. Okay. And if I give it just to one of you, I want the other person to say whether they would have a tough time or easy time with that over-under. And if and you got to be honest, and if it would be an easy time, then, you know, that's, that's going to be a negative, uh, <laughs> you know, as you're, as you're applying for this job. All right. Okay. Yes. So here we go. We got a bunch of uh, over unders. Um, let's start with uh, what is the day that the world ends for the bulk of humanity? So uh, when we're down to uh, you know basically Armageddon, over under on what day that occurs? Monday right. year. Uh, yeah, it can be month, day, year. Or you can just give the year, whatever, whatever you like. Um, sure. But uh, on this one, we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have Bill set it and TJ judge it. Okay, I wrote down. I didn't know who it was, so I wrote down what what mine would have been. So I'll, I'll I will Wait. go by that when Bill when Bill sets it. Very good. All right, I have a date. Hit me. The bulk of humanity will die in November twenty three oh one. No. November twenty three oh one. TJ, I bet is under. That. I'm way so under. I'm way under. <laughs> yeah, I got yeah. June. I got June third, twenty one fourteen. Wow. 
Ragnarok. I just have yeah. more faith in humanity, I guess. I really do. <laughs> yes, I really do. I think we can push this out. I... Uh, you think Greta? You think Greta Thunberg's really, really on this, and I think she's, I think she's got a real loose, loose grip on this thing. Yeah, I, I, what about her children? Her children <laughs> yeah, you know, well, if she get, chooses get to have them, if she chooses to have them, Bill, she may not want to bring them into this world. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, All right. I, you know what? Let's just keep, let's just keep with that, where you each write it down, and yeah. uh, and I'll rotate. Between and that, to be fair, is an easy one for me to, easy one for me to go under on, but. I think I am way more gloom and doom than a lot of people would be. I think there, I think that actually would split the betting public pretty well. I, I just happen to be well under on that one. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that Bill's number is closer to what would get even money on both sides. Yeah. Now it's a terrible bet. Nobody's betting on that one. Well, you can't cash. You can't cash in. Yeah. It's it's, a, it's the world's worst bet. It's great for the casinos. Yeah. Right? Just, uh, All right. Uh, next one. How many, uh, and it's, there's some subjectivity here, that's for sure. Uh, what's the number of really good movies Leonardo DiCaprio makes the rest of his career? Movies that receive general acclaim. Yeah, I and think we'll I got it. Start this time, we'll start this time with TJ setting the over-under. I'll say Seven. Seven. Uh, interesting, interesting. I will tell you, I personally think that's a pretty good one, and I would, I would, I would go slightly over on that. So, okay. interested to what Bill says in response. Uh, I think it's a great number two, and my my only reason to go over is, is if he may have a little Twilight Renaissance. He's a, still kind of a young guy, and yeah. he may have a few more actions in him, but then he may be quiet, and then you know, pull a Connery, and suddenly he's in a hundred movies at the, right at the end of his career. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe they're smaller parts, but maybe they're good, good couple parts. I'm going to go slightly over, ever so slightly. Yeah. I feel like, look, he's probably going to make at least 20 more movies. And uh, I think more than half, you know, half of them will be really good. I don't know. I, I, like, uh, I like the over. Uh, all right. So, Bill, this one, you, you go first. Um, sure. This is of the 100 greatest friends that you will have in your lifetime. How many of them are you yet to meet? Of the 100 greatest friends that you will have in the course of your lifetime, how many do you believe you are yet to meet? What would you set as the over-under on that? Ooh. And the 100 greatest. So even like your your 100 best friend is... Yeah, yeah, they're not... Yeah. In your lifetime, so, you know... Yeah. They may not be the best man at your wedding. Number number ninety nine one hundred. Okay. Well, they weren't because you've had your wedding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, get the future. Yeah. Number three, number four. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, and I think I think I can push this weddings. I think I can get three or four in before. Uh, <laughs> I'm confident in myself. Uh, uh, I'm going to say I have not met thirty uh, top one hundred friends. 30 top 100 friends so pretty good chunk pretty good chunk tj i would bet would say under what did you say lower how, how far under my how guess under? was like I 17 was... <laughs> that's what i had is that right <laughs> I said tj will say is 17 I, I'm, I think i'm a little higher but i, I said tj will say 17 wow you're higher yeah, but okay. you thought i would be i would be on that number yes wow yeah, yeah. I think I've got one or two moves left in me, and that yeah. whole reload. 
you, you automatically you got to you got to reset. You, mm-hmm. know, you, you can still reach out to other people, but I said my mind, like, you know what? I could, I end up somewhere else. Yeah, I hear you. Two other places. But I I feel like you have half your life left. So you know, I started kind of with a with a fifty, but then I was like. Well, we just make friends less. We're less places. Yep. We don't hang out places as much. We're kind of it more. Ain't 50. Yeah. It ain't, it ain't yeah. 50. I, I, <laughs> my number would have been 24. So I'm, I'm basically in between you guys. What's the difference? What's the difference? <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. So who goes first this time? I go first. I say the number. Yeah. All right. Um, how much bigger in pounds? So how much heavier? in pounds is the world's biggest alligator versus the world's second biggest alligator. Okay. Okay. This comes to mind. We're, we're recording right after seeing these pictures of this gigantic right. alligator in Naples. <laughs> it's just truly terrifying beast. Uh, seven, seven pounds. Seven pounds. Yeah. I think there's, I think they're pretty, I think they're pretty close. I don't think it's like a, a Meg, a Meg situation, and then you know, and then a Great White. I think these, I think the, I think one and two are fairly, fairly close together. Right, right. You're like, look, I don't care how big that Florida gator is. There's some gator down there in Australia. Without a doubt, he's like he's the biggest guy in his turf. They get together, like yeah, he ain't that much bigger. There's so the many gator. gators who are gonna go unknown to us too that it's a it's fairly yeah. easy for me in my mind to be like. Yeah, of course. There's a planet that's like that, you know. Like yeah. there's, well, you know, there's, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> you get up in the morning, have a coffee. <laughs> so I'm, I'm feeling good about that. I'm saying over, and my thinking is that giant alligator. That's like a 1,200 pound, 1,400 pound alligator, and <laughs> by a percentage, I just feel like seven percent. That's a rounding error. That's lunch. That's one lunch for an alligator. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. It's percent. It's percent. Oh, no, it's not percent. Oh, okay, gotcha. I, okay, I, I don't, okay. I just figured okay, gotcha. pounds, but I figured seven pounds is such a small percentage uh-huh. that yeah. I'm just that's rounding it. That's that's lunch, right? And if you caught it before it had had its breakfast yet, you know, it could be that could be several. Well, birds, they, they, but, I think an average alligator is around five hundred pounds. I think the biggest ones anybody's ever seen is like twelve hundred pounds or something. So I think like if you're one percent off, you're talking about what is that? Uh, twelve pounds. So yeah, it's, it's, it's not cool. unreasonable to say seven. I, mean, this I, would, guy, I would take the over though. I'm hoping for just a truly huge game. This guy and his this guy and his lovely wife probably have a bunch of children. Probably have hundreds of babies with you know similar genetic codes and 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 programming. You know, like the that that second biggest would have to live like move to another part of the of the swamp because this this guy's gonna fish out this 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 little corner of the mangrove swamp. But so. But yeah, you know, I think one of his kids is going to be pretty close to Papa's, pretty close to Papa's size or Mama's size. I don't know. I don't know who's, I don't know who gets bigger. Yeah. I don't know what the, yeah, how they work. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I like, I like the over though. And that's maybe just hopeful. I'm just hoping there's an enormous <laughs> gator out there. I haven't seen um, Okay. Uh, how many, so uh, Bill, you go first. How many different, meaning um, if I go to McDonald's twice, it counts as one. How many different fast food restaurants will I eat at in 2021? How many Ooh. different fast food restaurants will I eat at? And that includes, because we're in COVID, we got to say it, that includes delivery or pickup, not not only dine-in. How many different fast These food restaurants? These are exclusively fast food restaurants, not fast casual or... <laughs> 
Yeah, what's it's a, it's a tray. You it's set a tray. the rush. You set the over under on what restaurant is is <laughs> you have to be under to consider it fast food. Okay, uh, I would say Waffle House is the is the far reach of what constitutes fast food. Okay, so, so that's cracker, still fast. Cracker Barrel would not. There's no tray. Uh, There's no tray. Steak and Shake would not. Um, okay. Okay. Well, steak and Shake is so slow. Uh, but but maybe that would count. Um, no, it's food, but it's not fast for sure. Yeah. You know, Golden Corral that doesn't count. Red Lobster doesn't count. Okay, so traditional Culver's Culver's would. Yeah, Culver's that would count. That. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, and I know you travel a lot. I shouldn't say anything because I, I I need to not let my my cat That's out right. of the bag That's here. Right. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna say in 2021 you will eat at. Six distinct fast food restaurants. Wow. Six unique and distinct fast food restaurants. Wow. I started at 14, and then when I started factoring airports, I went up to 27. Oh, oh, I didn't. There's no, that's a bad, that's a six was bad. (laughs) That was horrible. Oh, airport. I mean, that just completely blew my mind. Airports, totally. I thought thought that's what you were on, Billy, when you said he travels a bunch. I thought, you know, it was like, you know, all the LaGuardia, you know. yeah, Carl's Jr. and Hardy. So that was my <laughs> like traveling. Well, he could hit the shake. He could hit to... Shake Shack and and Chick Fil A within the oh, next yeah. four days. Uh, I whiffed know, it. The, I yeah. whiffed that one. I whiffed it. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna. I uh, for sure. I would say COVID would be the only limiter, but I would still probably hit this year. You know, I've probably gotten pick takeout from Chick Fil A. Yeah. Shake Shack. Arby's. Uh, I did Taco Bell one time mm. as a treat. Uh, <laughs> a I did treat. Wendy's one time hungover. Um, that's it. Five. Boom. That's it. <laughs> there it is. I think, there it yeah, is. Once that's you start bit. counting them out, you really, there aren't as many as you think. <laughs> well, Chicago has got a ton of mom-and-pop fast food places. Yeah. And it's just like. Once you start getting, you know, euros involved, it's like you could. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've same. gotten a euro from a few places as well. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. See, I, I yeah. Get the airport in there, and that's, I would say, I would, over, for sure. What would you have set the number at, Rush, just out of curiosity? Probably 12. 12? Okay. Uh, but in a non-COVID year, probably more like 17 to okay. 21. Uh, all right um okay next one uh and this comes from my friend uh dave phillips gave me this one that i I like this one a lot uh over under um and he's actually got two we're gonna do back to back uh over under for the length of time it takes to travel from new york to los angeles in 2070 so the, uh, the, the, like right now I would say to get from New York to LA, it's like four and a half, five hours, right? That's the yep. plane time. I'm, I'm not asking for car or train. I'm asking for the shortest kind of reasonably available to the public time to get there. What do you think it'll be in 2070? And we'll start with TJ. If you're ready, Billy, I'm ready to say. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ninety ready. minutes. Are we are we doubling or you got your you got your guess? I, my guess is ninety minutes. Um, uh, 
And that's really you know, not teleportation I, being I, I available was to the humanity earlier, and, and now TJ is certainly hopeful on technology. <laughs> I am I am bare on technology. To be perfectly honest, and I'm going to say we're only going to shave about 15 minutes. Thirty years, we're only going to shave 15 minutes. <laughs> All right, I love to I love to hear the the, the the disagreement there, and then Dave backed it up with 20 and. Move it out now to twenty-one twenty. Does your answer change at all? Does Bill does it shave another five minutes? TJ, do, do we get down to teleportation? Like teleportation by then, thirty seconds by then. Thirty seconds yeah. by then. I think ninety minutes is going to be better than twenty-one. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. We got the tubes. We got the tubes. You know, and once the tubes are in, it's done. It's done. Uh, I love that one. Um, <laughs> over under, uh, Bill, you go first. Um, what was the largest milkshake in ounces that somebody has drank so far in 2020 that was not for any sort of contest, just straight gluttony? Just somebody was like, bam, I'm knocking down this milkshake. Uh, what, what's the largest one? This is like a regular menu item kind of milkshake. Yeah. Maybe, maybe made it at home and just kept pouring it in there, whatever it was. If if they ordered it, can we say they ordered two of them and had them like back to back? Okay. They don't have to have been made in one jug and put in a single. Absolutely not. It's it's just kind of in one sitting, but not for any sort of contest, uh, milkshake. Okay. Uh, I've got my number. Right. Uh, I'm going to go in one sitting. A human being has consumed. 64 fluid ounces of milkshake. I went double. I had two 64 ounces in my head. I had 128. <laughs> I, hope, I, hope I had 128 written down. Exactly. Oh, man. I hope that's true. What do you think? Is it, in your mind, what flavor came up? Was it vanilla? Was it just like chocolate. chocolate. Yeah. I, I, you're asking chocolate, I would say. There's some real chocolate. Not even good. Not even good milkshake. Just like mixed milkshake. It's like Burger King concentrate bag. You know? I love it. I love it. Okay. Uh, and this time, um, TJ goes first. In what? Uh, give me a date. It could be. You could give me the year. You could be a specific month today. Uh, when does George R. R. Martin finish? What's the over under? On when he finishes the song of Ice and Fire or whatever it's called, the Game of Thrones series. The series, the whole series. The whole series. But not like prequels. He, he could go back, he can write more in the Game of Thrones world, but he's got to finish the song and I'm, of Fire and, I'm and Ice setting it. or Ice and Fire or whatever it is. I'm setting it? Or yep. It's, uh, my over-under is forever. My over-under is whether he does it or not. You can set it at uh, any point, more, 40 years or more in the in the future and, and this it. is this so rules out like occurs. his severed head being hooked up to like electrons that then you know pump it directly into a into a into a computer i'll, I'll okay i'll set it at a thousand a thousand <laughs> years from now oh wait a second we got teleportation by <laughs> yeah we yeah, just have to have reanimation we, we also have yeah, to have yeah. we don't need teleportation for this we need reanimation or or something well, like we're that. We're going to get Ted Williams' head thought out first. <laughs> once we figure out Teddy Williams, then we'll go back and get Mr. Martin's head figured out. Uh, oh, I want to say under. Please, Jesus, be under than a thousand years. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I think well, I heard this thing one time that said, if you ever want to write, if you ever want to write something, you want to write a story or whatever, don't ever say it out loud to anyone. Write it. 
write it before you say it out loud. Because like stories want to be told. And if you say it out loud, it's like your mind considers it told and you no longer necessarily need to write it to write it down anymore. Fascinating. Yeah. So it's uh, and I almost feel in a way now that the show's been finished and completed, even though that may not have been what he was going to write or or what have you, that it feels in a way like the story's been told. And I wonder if his incentive now to sit down and hammer out whatever three more 1400 page books is just not it's just not burning in his belly like it would have been he's just jumping through hoops at this point right you know like just doing he's a he's a circus act at this point yeah and and, and, yeah yeah and like then the would you read it to see just to check where it was different than how the show went you know and, and all that kind of stuff i i i think for for so long he was unknown and toiling away at this that it was a real a real you know um either a labor of love or like a burning desire to get this, to get this story written. I don't know if that's the, yeah. I doubt that's the case anymore. Yeah. Well, I've, I had a lot of things I was going to tell you guys about, about <laughs> Do not, 2020. Right, right. 2020. I can't tell, tell you. <laughs> All right. Fascinating. All right. Fascinating. Well, good. So we've done a lot. I could have done, I got, we, going all day on we better move on. We better move on. Um, and we'll try, I'll try and keep this one brief. Uh, this, this could be a long answer, but so here's the situation. This is for both of you. You guys have done a lot of shows together. We assume right around 333, maybe a little over or under. Um, but I'd like you each to briefly describe your favorite bit, scene, or moment you remember of each other and try to maybe analyze it just a little bit if that's possible as to why it had a lasting impression. For example, would you say, the moment that sticks with you was really kind of quintessential to the other's personality. And so it was like a heightened example of them in concentrate or that it was very different maybe than how you think of them. And so it was, uh, you know, extra surprising. Do you think it highlight a quality of their personality or was it just like, it was goddamn funny. It was a, uh, you know, it was this moment, this time, and it was just, you know, it just happened to be that. Or did you think it had some resonance to the person's actual character or personality? If, uh, if that. Oh, and I asked this because, and, and I think this this will come up in one of the other scenarios. But Billy Arnett has two things he said um, in performance that I will remember for the rest of my life. That I think about. They, these are probably both. 12 to 15 years ago maybe maybe 12 is more accurate and i think about these things that he's done quite often one of them being i think i mentioned on this show i'll get the name wrong but like hey my name's chuck and i'm addicted to drugs and alcohol do you want to know how i got addicted to drugs and alcohol and it was from uh slugfest i think that you did way would you say a dozen years ago more than that now easily easily yeah yeah i think about it often and i will have that memory in my head forever and ever um but anyway go ahead well, thanks, and I hope I can build some new memories. <laughs> you are as we speak, between, pal. Between no, 15 years ago. I'll never forget how many fast food restaurants you thought Rush was going to hit in 2021. <laughs> I'll never, ever forget that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I I know, uh, I'm not going to remember the exact line, but I, I know that, that I used to, I mean, for probably 8, 10 years, I, I knew the line exactly. Um, but I'll start with a different one, which is I, I'll never forget Bill in it, uh, I think it was in a thirty thirty three as a as a game show, and like I just always think of Bill as um, really good uh, at um, knowing kind of what the scene ought to do, 
who, but also is a really good game player. But I always thought of Bill as one of the best kind of, um, uh, you know, in-scene directors that I ever saw. Like mm-hmm. Bill would, would know, shouldn't walk onto this one. You know, it's got a little life left or he's like, nope, we've seen that, enough of that. It's time to move on to the next thing. And uh, a very, very kind uh, of a- analytical. Very gent- uh, gentle shepherd's hand in in, yes. in shows. I, I, I would agree with that. Right. We do it like, we played with Alex Rindridge for all those years. Alex would, would had a very different way of expressing. He was a poet, he, he, was a poet not an when expert. he thought the uh, scene was over. He would, and Alex sometimes would cut a scene off. Like, like Alex one time just edited a scene that was like six lines in and was going to be a great scene because he's like, I know where that one's going. And it was like, well, yeah, but let, let us at least do it. <laughs> you know, we, like, we, it's not always that it's set up that well. He's like, no, no, we got that one. That was going to be fun. You were going to do this, Alex. Do that. Alex could sometimes move like if a Roomba could move at forty miles an hour, and you just set it down in the middle of in the middle of a stage. That could be Alex. Bam. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he could be all over the place. But Bill, Bill had a, a, a very like uh, you know kind of like I do too, like a kind of analytical approach to it sometimes. Um, but I remember this one game where he was um, uh, where it was a game show, and I was just like Bill. Bill was so good. So Danny Morrow was always so good at the um, hopping into a scene and just doing a small bit that's physical where he just he doesn't need to dominate the scene and he can he can just add something in there. And then Bill was exactly that verbally. So he could come in there and just dive bomb in with one great line when Andy and I have been yakking on for six minutes (laughs) and Bill just boom picks like a perfect spot, says the perfect thing. So I remember like. I think me or Andy or somebody's hosting a game show and they're like, Bill was a, a contestant. It's like, oh yeah, a little bit of background, you know, which is not that easy to just fire off. And Bill's like, uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm Terry Wilson. I'm from North Carolina city, Virginia. Which I always loved. <laughs> it's a great, uh, it's a great little thing. But my favorite, my favorite moment ever that he did was his 30. I mean, I, I, I mean, I laughed so hard was, um, but Bill might remember the exact line. But somehow, some way, um, we'd gotten, uh, we'd gotten, um, <laughs> no, I remember the exact line now, but we had gotten beers onto the stage, somehow like cans of beer. And, uh, Alex and I think Andy were, um, were driving in a, you know, in a, in an improvised car and, uh, and they, uh, they, they, they and Bill is a cop. And he stops him and he pulls him over and we all had, we all, we all had beers, but they had, they had a couple beers in their car, you know, and they're driving along. And so, uh, these are uh, actual, these are beers. These are actual, <laughs> actual beers. Yeah, actual something beers. that happened early in the show. Someone got served on stage and just like, well, now we're all have physical, actual cans of beer. Yeah. Right. Like, uh, you know, the unprofessional don't know how it came about exactly, but it was one of the things that we would tend to do, right. Is if the fourth wall got broken in a weird way, we would go with it. Right. So everybody's got beers and, uh, and Bill pulls him over and, uh, Andy, like, you know, pantomimes rolling down the window and he like puts his arm up and he's got his beer there. And, uh, he's like, is there a problem officer? And Bill like grabs the beer and just pops it open and goes, you tell me. <laughs> and it, it like brought the house down. And I just remember like, it was kind of a surprise, like move in a, in a lot of ways, but also just like, it was just such a fun, um, 
it was such, it's such an interesting way. And then since then I've read like, you know, Bill's book about improv and like, he, he just has some interesting ways of, of approaching uh, what would otherwise be a pretty standard scene. Uh, and one of Bill's things that, that he does that I really like is he's all about, and he was one of the first people to really be into this, at least in my, you know, tiny ecosphere of improv. But he was always about, um, go ahead and give some information. Like there's nothing wrong with just laying out, tell people what's going on, uh, add, a, add a bit of information up front so that people can like get their legs under them and you can, you know, you're not like lost in the ambiguity of what the hell's going on. Now there's some people like TJ and Dave who maybe don't need that and who truly uh, can discover in the moment and, and so forth and so on. But I always thought that for just about every improviser ever, that that was great advice. Like don't be worried about giving some gifts up top. And I think uh, make interesting choices, especially if you're going to have I, I and this is this is getting too too wonky on it. But Dave and I have an hour. If you have three minutes, then for God's sake, get that shit out right off the bat. So you're not spending two minutes of three minutes hemming and hawing about where you are. You know, like absolutely. Yeah. yeah. In, in a room with the lights on, you can jump around, do all kinds of acrobatics yeah. and have fun and make choices. If the lights are off in the room, you're going to walk around cautiously. <laughs> hope you don't bump into anything. You know, and you don't want to be a cautious Scared player. I remember that scene very, very well, Rush, and that was hilarious. And that's just like dangerous cop. The cop you don't want to meet. Unpredictable, dangerous. And that's like, oh, it's like my, my nightmare is coming across that dangerous cop. Uh, uh, that's what, you know, as, as far as Rush goes, he's it's something that you would do so often. I called it ringmastering. And it was this idea of like, here's something really crazy going on. And no one had, no one has labeled it. Talking about information, no one has labeled it. And Rush, you come in and just, you know, it's got that label maker, the click, click label maker. Says, this is exactly what it is. And it's usually a restaurant or a meeting or some kind of group of people who are just living in a void. And Russia coming to just smack a label on it, make us all assassins. We're going to have to go, you know, hijack the Wienermobile to kill somebody and are just bumbling idiots. Uh, uh, but innum innumerable long cons restaurants with weird themes eating contests that somehow never got stale uh and i think <laughs> rush was always and i mean even on this show and certainly being an attorney and whatnot it's not nothing is general it is so specific pinpoint specific that you can come up with eight ten Fifteen eating contest shows and have them all be fresh and original, but the rules have to be specific so they're different from each other. And like, oh yeah, I, this is a very different eating contest show. Uh, <laughs> I can enjoy this for hours. Uh, uh, there was a moment, kind of towards the end of the run, that was this oddly quintessential rush moment for me that I that I can recall in 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 detail. And it was we were backstage and there was a deck of cards sitting there and rush, you know you know what gee whiz you know candy for a baby rush is going to pick that up and you know go through the deck of cards well he realizes there's some missing there's about 12 cards missing from this deck of cards uh and he go, we go out to begin the show and and rush again kind of breaking the fourth wall to an audience member is like all right there are 12 cards missing from this deck of cards uh uh someone name a card and some guy he was he was a little broy, which is kind of I kind of was kind of happy he got stung by this a little bit. But was like, name a card, and throughout the show, I will peel off 
10 or 12 cards and reveal them. And we can see if you feel like you're, if you have confidence, your card is still in that deck. <laughs> and it was just such a this quintessential, quintessential rush moment, quintessential 3033 breaking the, the fourth wall moment. I don't, know if you, I don't know if you remember that at all, Rush. Do you remember doing that? I kind of remember. Did, it, did he end up, was the card in the deck or not? Nope. No, no. <laughs> he was wrong. He was incorrect. And, uh, uh, but periodically throughout the show, it's just this weird little moment. We're going to pause the show real fast, and I'm going to rip off ten cards. His card is not in there, and just like, do we want to raise the bet? Do we, and there were, there were some stakes involved uh-huh. you know, as we go on longer. The, you know, the stakes here. Uh, oh, oh, I got to say one more. My favorite, my favorite, all my favorite real Bill memories are probably thirty thirty three. But maybe my absolute favorite was in Armando, and I was uh, I was Armando, and and. Uh, the Armando show, like one person is a monologist and they get a topic and they do monologues and then people do scenes based on that monologue. And then the monologist comes back and does more monologuing. And then there are more scenes on that. And I had, I had learned early on that at least some people, I'm sure some people find this annoying, but I I liked for the monologist not to just come out and do monologues and then go back and then do monologues. I liked them to do less monologuing and get involved and kind of use the monologues to create a form of the show almost a little bit or, or play around with it some. And so I got a suggestion of like fantasy football. And so I made, instead of doing monologues, I made me and Andy the captains of the Armando show and we drafted teams and then we would, and then we would sabotage each other by, by picking people from the other team and putting them in a scene that was like, quote unquote, you know, like whatever going to be difficult or whatever. And so Andy, who knows Bill very, very well, even better than I do. Um, I've got Bill on my team. Andy is like, all right, I'm trailing. I'm going for the big guns. And I was like, okay, uh, I get to pick somebody on my team and they're going to give a monologue, but you can give them any topic you want. And so I bring Bill out and Andy's like, Andy's like, okay, Bill, why don't you tell me what you know about World War II German aircrafts? And he's like running around, like spiking the ball, like he's giving him something impossible. All the while, Andy knows full damn well that Bill is an absolute expert on exactly that topic. And so, like, and Bill, like, of course, just like nails it, like, right to the right, right off the tee. And, and he just goes for like, Five seconds, and then there's an edit. I mean, it was just it was just a wonderful moment. And I'll that one. All righty. Well, thank you, gentlemen. So anyway, oh, thank you. Yeah, that was great. Some improv memories. All right. Uh, next up, we're going to do a thing um, that we've never done with a guest, uh, but I've done now three times. I think Bill's probably heard it before. This is what we call the champion of champions. Woo! Champion oh, yeah. okay. of champions. Have you ever heard of champion? Of I champions have. On this show? I have. Okay, great. So you know how it works. So there's uh, we, we have an athlete one and a actors and mm-hmm. uh, and female actors. Yes, and and we've even done a country, uh, country oh, yes. Europe one. <laughs> yes. But uh, this one is inspired by uh, uh, land down over under, and these are uh, ten famed uh, folks from Oceania. Ten famed folks, likable folks, I think for the most part from Oceania, and we're going to see. We're going to oh, see, and then and then they're going to be subjected to a bunch of Australian stereotypes, and we're going to see who is the champion of champions when it comes to oceanic uh, stereotypes. And again, I have family in Australia. I love it. I, I, I mean, I love it. I, that, I, that did, I, helpful. I don't know. I didn't know that, and I thought this would be a good one to do. And um, But here's the catch on this, because it's, it's co- 
you guys got to agree. Okay. You gotta have a different okay. Okay. You got to you got to talk <laughs> each other into agreement, uh, one way or the other. But you got it. You got to reach agreement. So here are your ten uh, well-known oceanic uh, personalities. I you think got I've got Greg five Norman. of them. I think I've got five of them written down. <laughs> okay, I bet you do. We've got Greg Norman, the golfer. Great. Mm-hmm. We've got Peter Jackson, director of Lord of the Rings. All right. We've got. I bet you don't have this one written down. Keith Urban. No, uh, I definitely did not. Music star. I have his wife written got, down. Oh, interesting. Wait, who's his wife? <laughs> Nicole Kidman. Nicole Kidman. <laughs> she she is. Uh, it was she was Nicole Kidman in the actresses or not? I don't believe so. I don't th- okay. think she was. No. Okay, then I'm going to leave her in because um, you can't you can't be a you can't be a champion twice. You don't get two <laughs> no. two, two bites of the apple. Uh, next up, we've got Thor, uh, Chris Hemsworth. Then we've got uh, a beloved uh, Australian actor Hugh Jackman. Yep, huge huge uh, accolades for that guy. Huge accolade. You know, I'm never leaving him out. <laughs> um, <clears throat> then we've got uh, Nicole Kidman. We've got Tony Collette. Ah, okay. We've got Elle McPherson, yep. supermodel, uh, during all of our childhoods. Um, we got uh, R.I.P., uh, tremendous talent, Heath Ledger. And uh, I'm wrapping it up with Sir Edmund Hillary. Wow. Oh, wow. Okay. I, I did not have... Summit Mount Everest. I did not have... I had Hugh Jackman and Russell Crowe and... I had Paul Hogan in there. I don't know how you. <laughs> yeah, I thought about Hogan. I thought about um, Steve Irwin, but uh, ultimately, and Kylie Minogue. Those were a few that that barely missed the cut. Uh, Hogan. I decided not to go with Hogan, but in any case, um, I'll let. I tell you what. You guys want to sub in either Paul Hogan or you, you're welcome nope. to sub one in because these are well liked Australians. And if you really like Paul Hogan, he ought he ought to go in. That's okay. Would you just go through them one more time for me, Rush? Greg Norman, yep. Peter Jackson, Keith Urban, Chris Hemsworth, Keith Ledger, Hugh Jackman, oh, okay. Nicole Kidman, Tony Collette, Elle McPherson, and Sir Edmund Hillary. All right. Hmm. All right. So here we go. Uh, and just to, for those that have never heard a champion of champions before, here's how it works. There's going to be eight separate events. You eliminate one person for each event. So it doesn't matter who's the best. All that matters is you're not the worst. Uh, I think TJ likes to say, you just, you don't have to outrun the lion. You just got to outrun your friend. So uh, it's, it's, and we throw out one person each round. And then when we finally get down to two, they, they go head to head in a three event challenge to see who is the champion of champions, kind of likable Australian celebrity. All righty. First up, your car breaks down on the side of the road in the outback, a hundred miles from the closest Australian city. Who's the last person you want to be your road trip companion out of those cha- out of those Australian champion or oceanic champion? I'm going to nominate Elle McPherson. Uh, I, I mean, from a very early age, she was plucked out and thrown into the the superstardom catwalk, you know, fashion world, and I feel like unless you know for a fact, TJ, she was from the Outback. You know, she was from somewhere where she in childhood. I, I don't see her 
I don't see here. And is it just that we just don't want this as company while we're while we're stuck here, Rush? Or is it's it a that... combination of how likely they are to be able to solve your situation and whether you want them as company? I mean, the... I personally wouldn't. I was thinking Elvin Pearson. I would time. Yeah, I would spend hours and days with. I, I the only person I don't want there the the person I most don't want there is Nicole Kidman I think she's going to be useless there I think I think she's really fancy I I don't think it's going to be a lot of help you know like and I'd it, rather look at L if we're going to be stuck there for a long time than than look at I'd rather look at Peter Jackson at this point than look at than look at Nicole that's the same thing that I was having here's someone who got came to fame kind of young mm-hmm. and and probably doesn't have a lot of life skills. Uh, especially surviving in the outback. Life yeah, skills. and L's, L seems broader. L looks like could handle a jack, maybe like maybe it's just remembering that from <laughs> like the like Nicole the old posters. But uh, she Nicole seemed like she could talented, talented. Okay. Nicole's out and, and beautiful people. And, and I'm sorry, <laughs> all of these, they're all champions. Look, they're all champions. I just you got to eliminate somebody. like Greg Norman could could carry one of us back through the outback in 108 yeah. degree weather. Like we got to yeah. have Greg. Yeah. Peter Jackson's going to be super agreeable. Just yeah. Like kind of, and, and he's a director. He's handled incredibly fucked up situations for sure in the middle of filming Lord of the Rings. I, he's going to, he's going to solve it. I got to yeah, assume gonna, Sir Edmund Hillary's good at, 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 oh at sea God. level. You I know, this go. guy, <laughs> he's got to be he's okay. Go, he's, already, he's already been rescued. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't even, I mean, don't even worry. If, yeah, there's no chance. There's no chance. I mean, I feel like Tony Collette's going to do a great job in that mm-hmm. situation. Yeah, she's got a lot of time uh, in Australia. A lot of these people, as long as they've spent time there, you're going to pick it up. You grow yeah. up there, you're going to pick it up. Yeah. All right. So, uh, Nicole Kidman, I'm sorry, you're out. Next up, uh, you're, you're heading to nine uh, different backyard barbecues. People throwing a shrimp on the barbie at these people's homes. Uh, whose house uh, are you... You get not you get all nine invitations. Which one are you least interested in attending uh, the backyard barbecue? Could be because you think it's going to be bad food. Could could be because you think it's going to be bad company. It's really up to you why. But uh, who's out? I I know who I want, but I just have so a personal thing against this guy. Go ahead and nominate him. Go ahead and nominate him here. I can't fucking stand Keith Urban. I I, I think he I think he like is packaged to look really appealing and every and you know an everyday guy and stuff, but like. The, the amount of like facial work he's had I think is I think his backyard's gonna be like stuffy and not fun it'll it'll look like it's supposed to be but he really won't actually want you to touch anything or, or whatever like I, I he and his he and his wife can both go screw is that's my that's my opinion on this yeah I was thinking that too they're gonna be handlers right and I don't want I don't want handlers at a backyard party. no I want, so I was thinking that I thought you know maybe Heath Ledger might be a little weird you know but might be but thinking but, but could be I, it could be I, like I, weird like this is weird and cool. Keith Urban might have like, yeah, I have a llama. Don't touch it. You know, like Heath Ledger yeah. might be like, I have a llama. We're gonna paint it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's the difference. That's the difference. That's right. <laughs> I, I will. I will. Uh, yeah, Keith Urban. It is. Keith All Urban. right. I I do kind of wish I'd put Paul Hogan in and Keith Urban out, but oh. you know, hey, some, somebody's gonna get knocked out. I mean, if uh, Hogan's in here, this is a real tough decision. You know, like if if we didn't have Urban to pick on, if Hogan's in there, like man, I don't know, I, I'd go to any of these bar these Barbies. <laughs> oh, these guys, for the most part, very likable. I do think you got rid of the two least likable quickly. Uh, all right, now next up, someone. Uh, each of these people has to train and enter an Australian Shepherd into the Westminster Dog Show. Ooh. He's going to do the worst job of getting that dog trained and ready to go uh, to go into the Westminster Dog Show. Just a reminder for those at home, uh, here's what we got left. 
Greg Norman, Peter Jackson, Chris Hemsworth, Heath Ledger, Hugh Jackman, Tony Collette, Elle McPherson, and Sir Edmund Hillary. All right, Ooh. I have. I think I have someone. They're gonna, they're gonna be in that dog show, and my mind is it, my mind is kind of going back to Heath Ledger here. In that that those dog shows are very very particular. Yeah, it's a dot the I cross the T I, kind of a thing. But that's where my mind's going. Teach. I don't know if I, you have anybody. I for for some reason I thought he might be able to create some bizarre mental bond with the with the dog. <laughs> I a babe. I had yeah, yeah. concerns about Peter Jackson's ability to stick to obedience on this. That that I think he'd want a buddy. And I don't know if he'd be able to like actually, you know, to like stay strong on the discipline. But but give too many treats to that dog. You know, like he wants a pal. You know, like he's not going to be like no, no. You know, like at least that's my thought. But I'll go wherever you want on this one, Billy. I kind of want to see Peter Jackson do because you know he doesn't wear shoes. Uh huh. (laughs) I want to see him in Westminster Dog Show. (laughs) Great. Unshod. Uh, 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 So just even if it does a terrible job of it. I then, kind of want to see him walking around without his shoes on. Rush, we're going to bounce. We're going to bounce Mr. Ledger. All right. Uh, R.I.P. Uh, phenomenal uh, actor. But, you know, <laughs> ran into some trouble here. All right. Uh, so we, we, uh, we're we down to seven. And next up is you're attacked by an angry kangaroo or an angaroo. And uh, you got you to gotta fend off this angaroo. Uh, who's, who's the last person out of this group that you want uh, uh, there with you to try to uh, ensure your safety? Here's my here's my initial, uh, and I don't want this to sound sexist, so I'll sound weightist. Tony Collette looks sickeningly fragile uh, of of late. Like she looks so thin and breakable that I feel like one good lean back foot foot blast from from this this roux is gonna snap her is gonna snap her in half. So that's that's my concern. Yeah, my other thinking was Peter Jackson on this one because uh-huh. he's also not in. I'm not in kangaroo fighting shape. Uh, I couldn't tell you what kangaroo fighting shape is, but I know Sir we, Peter and I would, if, and if Tony Collette also probably not. A, a number of these people are not. Yeah, I mean, if one of us it's could like, get the uh, roux, if one of us could get the roux on the ground, I like Jackson on top of it to to help in the yep. subdue part. Um, I, I will. I'll bounce Tony if we can agree that Peter Jackson probably knows a ton about kangaroos. I read about yeah. him. And probably has some encyclopedic memory. Probably, <laughs> I mean, yeah. This is where you want Paul Hogan because he gives it that thing. He gives it that that double that double finger like turn it on its side, and the Rue just goes to sleep with that thing, yeah. right? That's but, what you need. Let's just be clear: no chance Paul Hogan's been eliminated yet. Oh no! no. Oh no! <laughs> He's a floater. He's the DH. <laughs> <laughs> uh, although he he might go out on the next one, to be honest. Although. Maybe not. But uh, all right. So that is it for uh, Tony Collette. Uh, next up is you have to give a touching tribute to Australian tennis legend Rod Laver. Mm. You can either have this person write the speech for you to deliver or you can write the speech and have them deliver it. Who's last place to uh, to work with you on giving a touching tribute to aging tennis legend Australian Rod Laver? Wow. Oh boy! I, well, a piece. Go ahead, teach. I don't know. I feel good about Jackman, Norman, Jackson, Hemsworth as far as just appeal and charisma, and even if they don't know him, being able to pull off a, a very nice speech. I have no gauge on Sir Edmund Hillary's charisma level. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, 
a number of these people are just going to be great to nice to look at. Yeah, just real personable and yep. looking great up on stage under that spotlight. And did uh, did did Hillary lose like a nose to frostbite or something? Would there just be something generally unappealing about about? Probably. Does he lose some fingers yeah. or anything? Like, and if, I mean, if he's up on stage. I, I don't want to hear what he has to say. I want to hear about Tenzing Norgay. And I yeah. Hear about you know, it's like. Yeah, that's great. Tell us about. So I think I and Edmund Hillary kind of might have outachieved labor. You know, like I, I don't think I want someone who's done more like telling me how great this dude was. Like, I think we got to bounce. I think we got to right, bounce yeah, the man hate, who summoned Everest. To see him go. I hate to see him go, but he's out. <laughs> but we love to watch uh, him walk away, don't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what a great, what a great climber. Okay, I believe we're down to just five, right? Yes. I'm gonna say he is my favorite mountain climber. I'm gonna oh. get a record saying, "Oh yeah." I mean, it's it's. Uh, I I gotta put Nor. I give Norgay the 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 bump on him just because I think Norgay did it. You know how like they say Fred Astaire was great, but Ginger Rogers did it all in heels backwards. and backwards. Yeah, yeah, I think I think Norgay did it all, but also maybe had like seventy pounds of shit on his back. Yeah, 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 right. yeah. <laughs> Alex Honnett Alex Honnett is the only one to break into that you know the, from Free Solo has got to be the only one to even get close to Sir Edmund Hillary in, in ages so all we got left is Greg Norman uh, by the way his his barbecue is going to be phenomenal whether Tremendous. you ever run into him or not Tremendous. Um, Greg Norman Peter Jackson Chris Hemsworth Hugh Jackman and L. McPherson that's what we got left yep. and the next up is who do you want to be your uh, your buddy uh, when you have to pair up and have, and for the buddy system and the buddy's in charge of making sure your equipment is correct as you go scuba diving in the Great Barrier Reef. Ooh. Who's the last person you want uh, involved in that situation? Hmm. Uh, that's, again, another dot your I's, cross your T's kind of thing All right. uh, with your life in, on the line. Um, did Greg Norman have a drinking problem? Am I remembering the shark? He was the shark. He was a he good was time, but I don't think he had a drinking, at okay. least not I a... Remember. I don't remember that. He's Aussie, okay. so I imagine he could put the shit away for a while, but he was in phenomenal shape, you know, like, and still, yeah. and still and is in phenomenal shape. I think he shape. probably does scuba dive, because he's got yeah. he's the shark. one of the largest yachts in the I, world. I yeah. think yeah. I I might have... Here, I'll, I'll, I'll throw one out, and you tell me what you think. I'm going to go with Chris Hemsworth, just because I think he might think he can overcome, you know, like, hey, if I don't have this, then who cares? I'll just... Breathe, I'll just hold my breath longer, mate. He was, you know, he was my like, number two. I think he's young, he's cocky, uh, yeah. uh, and you don't need that. Who was your you one? Who was your one, Billy? Well, I, I, was, I was like Norman and Hugh Jackson, but I just, okay. I just or Norman and Hemsworth. But I, I was just wasn't sure about Norman. I'm getting, maybe getting confused with some other golfers. But if he's if, if the guy squared away and he's got a yacht yeah, yeah. and he's yeah. a shark, that's who I want. Yeah. No, you want he, he's going to get you. He's the gonna get the you. white blonde who had a the white blonde golfer who had a, a drinking problem was John Daly. I don't know if that's who you're that's thinking right. of. Perhaps, perhaps, yeah. yep, yep, yep. And uh, Steve Elkington, I think, used to like to tie one on as well. Who who he yeah. might be an Aussie, it might be. We'll bounce Thor. All right, yeah. <laughs> all right, he's out. So all we got left are uh, Greg Norman, Peter Jackson, <clears throat> uh, Hugh Jackman, every man, great guy. Uh, and L. McPherson, who nearly went out in round one, and is yeah. this just goes to show you that timing is so important when it comes to being <laughs> a champion. All right, next up is who do you want? They got to spin themselves around like crazy, slobbering and yelling like the Tasmanian Devil, and do the most damage they can in a sixty-second time period in a china shop. Who's oh. going to be the least effective at doing that? Oh, Ooh. I mean. 
it's un it's <laughs> unfortunate, but I I don't think L I don't think L does the most the most damage here. Oh, she's just so graceful. Yeah, I, she right. yeah. She although and, she's lanky, she's lanky. She's probably yeah. six foot and long. You know, like I don't know. Maybe Jackson just doesn't get enough torque and you know and spin going. Because he's wide, but he's not as wide as L is long. Well, I mean, Hugh Jackson could just bowling ball his way through. He, yeah. His technique is not... Peter, Peter Jackson. Yeah. But L's going to be able to reach stuff eight foot high. I don't think Peter Jackson gets gets up on any of that stuff. Like, L can get top shelf items. I I, I do think Peter Jackson's going to cause a lot of Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah, it's just... <laughs> Just, I mean, is there any chance? No, Hugh Jackman's Wolverine. Just on, based on that, no, we can't. Yeah, like, Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman's going to take that store out in thirty seconds, and, and, and he's going to have a story for that. Thing. And Norman, Norman, I think just did the body issue not too long ago of SI. The dude is still jacked, nude. He's yeah. still jacked. I, I think. Yeah. I, yeah, it's L, right, Billy? I hate to say, uh, I really hate to say, I would love to see her do that. Yep. Yeah. And try. Well, she gets to. She gets to. She just finishes fourth, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so we're down to the final three. I wonder if there'll be huge accolades handed out to to Jackman at the so. end. I, yeah, I, I wonder. There will be huge accolades, but we don't know. But we don't know. One more yep. before yep. you can even get to the finals. But the final three is Greg Norman, Hugh Jackman, and uh, and, Peter and uh, Peter Jackson, of course. Uh, and it is who is going to. And by the way, I think El McPherson would have cruised through this one, but mm. you know who knows. But who is going to be the best? At escaping from a minimum security prison. Oh, okay. Well, I think we know this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, Billy, do you think well, this best is best or worst? This is worst. To worst. A minimum worst. Who's the worst at being best at it? Um, Billy, is do you think escaping from a minimum security prison is more of a physical challenge or more of a logistical and mental challenge? I think it's logistical and mental. So the guy who directed three Lord of the Rings, like, would not be able to scale a wall though if 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 that needs to happen. But if you if logistically you can figure out how to make John Reese Davies look like he's four foot one, then you yeah yeah, okay somehow get into that laundry bin while it's getting rolled out. Uh huh. You know, get that time break. Yeah. Uh, will, Will the guards recognize these people? Or are they just like? They just I mean, like, I, this is just a normal escape from a minimum security prison. So whatever you think would normally go into that, there's no. I worry, Hugh Jackman. We have a crowd wherever he goes. Yeah. Well, they. I think they all are. I think Elvin Pearson might have been able to just, you know, uh, cozy up to a guard or two and then yeah, see you later. She's right out of there. Yeah. But uh, I, I'd be very surprised if Hugh Jackman can't pull it off. Is my opinion, but you know, it's not my call. I think I the, the Peter Jackson. I think is the least recognizable. Like if no, if Norman was like. Yeah, you know, hit me up, mate. You know, he might be able to do that. Peter Jackson be like, who Who are you, dude? You're just some, like, kind of like, yeah, rando slot. I mean, Nor- Norman couldn't get out of trouble behind 10, you know, and that, was, that wasn't that was even minimum security <laughs> prison. That was like, that was, it was, that was a bunker, you know? Like, so I, I, I feel like Greg Norman I, is... I feel like here, at some know, point, strength or shimmying or having to fit through something is going to work against Peter Jackson. Okay. If you if you feel strongly about Peter Jackson, that <clears throat> that 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 physical edge which he lacks, even the narrowest of edges, <laughs> uh, uh, there, there 
there will be a point where you're going to have to dash. Something, right? Yeah, dash. some little... There's going to be one moment of quick burst of energy, and I will I will concede that Peter Jackson likely does not have that first step. He's not making <laughs> right. shots. He is, he so, is what, best, worked, so. what worked for him so well in that China shop is going to work against him yeah. really, yeah. really strongly so in Peter escaping is, this prison. Peter Jackson is out. I hate to hear it. I... I I think you could make a good argument for Norman, but I, I do understand. <laughs> I can't say it's a bad argument to say that if there is some sort of shimmying or climbing or what have you, that these other two guys are going to be better at that. Okay, so so the final two for Champion of Champions, likable oceanic stars are Greg Norman and Hugh Jackman. Wolverine versus a shark. If both of them had a fight, a Wolverine and a shark, who would who would make it out? And, and this a... is this is a perfect <laughs> metaphor for champion of champions All because right. it would matter, of course, where they fought. Yep. If you're fighting in the water, the shark's going to win. If you're fighting on land, and so really, sometimes it just comes down to who gets lucky with the events. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't plan the events. I don't know who's going to get to the finals, so I don't think about that ahead of time. But I will say, I think at least at least one of these is totally unfair. <laughs> and, and, uh, and it's, it's not going to I don't think this one's going to be close at all but that's just my opinion, we'll see so here are the three events for the finals uh, Greg Norman against Hugh Jackman the first is, and I'm going to give you all three and then you guys decide the first is sing an opera at the Sydney Opera House, so you got to go in and join in and, and uh, need uh, that's fine, Hugh Jackman yep. yeah, well, obviously, <laughs> you have a very mm-hmm. accomplished singer, yep. it's Greg Norman <laughs> Uh, the next is take a three-day wine-tasting tour of New Zealand with this person. So Peter Jackson, furious that he got oh. bounced, <laughs> would have fit in great. And then the third one is going to be you got to you got to eat one pound of Vegemite timed. Whoever can take it down first Ooh. is is the champ. I'm giving Norman. I'm down. giving Norman the Vegemite. I think Billy. Right? Like I think okay. a. I think I think that dude is probably more equipped to just be like one gulp, mate. Go, you know, bye bye. Yeah. Um, so it comes down to this three-day vineyard. Yeah. yeah. Who would you rather be paired with to go around three days in New Zealand, having a you know great great wine country out there in New Zealand? Who do you want? Who do you want to spend your time with? That's going to be your champion of champions. Who, whose stories do you want to hear? I, I mean, that's kind of it, you know. I think Greg Norman is kind of famously raconteurish. I think I think the dude tells a great tale. I, I think I would love to hear his stories. Although I mean. I would probably more easily relate to Hugh Jackman telling stories about being in a movie than I would yeah. understand what it takes to, you know, yeah. play Pebble Beach. Um, I, although that said, I lean towards Norman because I think he's such an everyman, but, but I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'll go with you on this one, Billy. It, it's tricky. I think Hugh Jackson is, is he's going to, ha- or Jackman, I'm sorry, I keep calling him Hugh Jackson. Hugh Jackman, <laughs> he's going to have that Rolodex when it comes to the number of stories and other famous people, just like, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and even if Norman has some good independent stories, uh, there's a piece of me that's like, oh, you've got a Madonna story? Yeah. You know, Hugh Jackman, oh, you've got a, Tom Cruise, he's going to like. Although I'm betting Greg Norman has a Madonna story somehow, too. I'm, <laughs> I should have Almost betting. I should not have picked. Ooh. <laughs> Uh, they might have both been at their height right around the same time. <laughs> I worry. I have not spent much time around uh, Hugh Jackman. Do you think he's exhausting? Do you think he's difficult? I think Norman's more likely to be. Um, I think Hugh Jackman's going to be more of an everyman, like easier to get along with. See, what time do you want to go to bed? Because I think Hugh Jackman will will hit the sack at midnight. I think Norman's going to want to stay up till three. 
if he stays up till three, but is willing to get up at 10, uh, then, then I'm okay with Greg Norman. Uh, I'm, I need my Z's, I, my head here, on pillow. Here's and, the other uh, thing. As far as this champion champions go, this is, you know, kind of like meta, but Greg Norman is famous for finishing second. Yeah, he is. He is. He is. That's a great point. So either we give him a victory or we leave him in the spot that he's most comfortable with coming up yeah. as a that as a runner a as a runner up. Um, well, you know, going forward, TJ, I'm predicting there will be a champion of champions. Champions. Yeah, right. That's there true. Will. And if you like Greg Norman, <laughs> then I want him on your team. I want him on your team. We're gonna vote. We're taking Greg Norman as champion of. We go uh, with the shot. Australasia, uh, yeah, Anzac champion. Will be All right. Wow. Wow. I, think, I, I think Hugh Jackman would smoke him on the Vegemite. I do think the wine tour is really interesting. <laughs> but I thought, obviously, Jackman wins on the opera. I think Jackman, like, uh, I think he, that, that guy, he had to probably gain and lose, you know, tons of pounds and eat, like, a ludicrous amount of protein for, like, Wolverine to get so jacked. Like, he, I, I got to think he wins on that Vegemite. But it's not my call. Greg Norman advances. Hugh Jackman. I think him. he's not going to be the. Champion. I think as a professional athlete in a in a competition like an eating competition, I think Norman just finds that gear and just decide, just disappears some Vegemite. All you right. Know? Okay. All right. Uh, here's here's the last one, gentlemen. We'll we'll try and we'll try and move through this one fairly quickly. We're about an hour and twenty in, and we, we still got something to do. Um, With some kitty chat time up top. That yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> So, Billy, here's the situation. You once gave a monologue at Armando, and, and I'm going to get these words wrong, but I'll, I'll, I'll know enough to be able to get it across, that there's a concept that there's a determining factor or a controlling element to some processes. And what how you described it was that the turnaround time of an airplane at an airport, the single determining factor that you cannot get um, quicker than is the amount of time it takes to get fuel into the airplane is, is this sounding familiar to you yeah it's the 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 rate determining factor kind of a thing yeah. okay the rate determining factors and, and i may not have that exactly right but i'm pretty sure that's what it is gotcha so you can't like it's and unless that's faster you can't go you cannot abbreviate the process yeah. right you get about a hundred custodians on a plane and a hundred flight attendants and, and all kinds of doors you're still waiting on the, the on the guests the great so to kind of work off of that theory I'm going to name some occasions or events, and I'd like you guys to name the kind of rate-determining factor for you as to whether you think you'll have a good time or a bad time, the single most important. So if I was to say, like, a movie, you might say, oh, the cast is the is the single most determining factor, or the plot, or the look, or the pacing. So you will each name what you think is the single most determining factor as to whether you're going to enjoy this or not enjoy this. Cool? Sure. All right. Um, a a walk. What is the most determining factor for you as to whether you will enjoy or not enjoy a walk, a leisure uh, a leisure walk? I'm gonna go weather. Great. Agreed. Weather. Great. Uh, Thanksgiving. Ooh, Thanksgiving dinner or the entire holiday? I'm gonna say the entire holiday. I, I want I want the the factor of you know, um, the company, the, you know, what else, what the other stuff that goes into that day. So yeah, not just the dinner, like stuffing, but, but the entire kind of experience of Thanksgiving. Uh, um, I need everybody on board. 
I need everybody on board. And when it's time for dessert, it's time for dessert. And when it's time to take naps, it's time to take naps. Okay, it's so like scheduling wise, you need everybody on but board. Or... Scheduling, but just like it, it just if people are like, well, I'm ready for this and I'm ready for that. Are okay. we eating yet? It's just like, guys, this is let's just all maybe it is scheduling. Or, or maybe s- it's just same pageism, same pageism to it. Or? Totally. Okay. And, and the worst Thanksgivings I've had are when there's just conflict as to what's happening and when it's happening, mm-hmm. and it takes. 30 minutes to get people to stand up and sit down at the table. It's like, come on, it's time to <laughs> do <we> this. <laughs> you know? Oh. Mine's kind of similar and it's downtime. Like I need I, Thanksgiving. I need a lot of downtime, the, you know, dishes. I'm not interested in like, you know, making it too fancy and we got a million you know things and everybody's cooking and it's a big uh to do i I want it to be more relaxed great Uh, and for me that's gonna be a big deal how about an improv show single single most determining factor for your enjoyment of an improv of being in uh an improv show um i want to i want to be make sure that every scene i'm in scene i'm in and every scene that happens this sounds kind of weird, but both people want to be there in that moment. Great. And and both people want to be in the scene at that moment, whatever, whatever it is. And that might seem a little strange or people have, if you've done a lot of improv, you start, <laughs> you've like, seen some scene. You don't want to be here right now. Your mind is somewhere else. And even if it's somewhere else thinking about the scene they're in, it's not locked in, in this slice moment. You know, it, it's a moment ahead or a moment behind, uh, or you're worried about, Oh, is, is the theater owner here? Yeah. Or, or I was in just I was just in two scenes. It's just like all that thought is not in the moment, and that's what I want. Great, Rush. Probably like joy. Like I think there's a reason that people love like watching people break on SNL or whatever else, and and I think that um, when the people are enjoying it themselves, having fun. And, and really, so it's kind of like what Bill said. Yeah. I, th- I think that's probably, I mean, and honestly, the crowd's pretty important to me. Uh, that was that was one that I was pretty high up on my list, which is always like kind of a no-no to say, but it was always true with me. Like, I, I, didn't, I didn't like to go do a show for 20 people, and I did, you know, I did like it if it was packed, and there's an energy before you even walk out there. Sometimes it was frustrating that you would have a big crowd, and they would be, <laughs> predisposed, you know, they, they're, 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 well, they'd be laughing at stuff that's not good, and you're like, "Oh, you know, we, we're we're not earning this." But uh, the crowd size did matter to me. How about a pair of pants? Single, de- single most determining factor for your uh, enjoyment of a pair of pants. Stretchiness. Ooh. Love a sweatpant. Love a uh, love these this trend in like. <laughs> Uh, work slacks where they've got a little bit more stretchiness to them. My that's man, a, my man loves some give. Yeah. Yeah. No, that that's, I, I kind of had a buddy who was like, you should get some of those little, it's, you know, it's, it's regular pant material, cotton or polyester <laughs> or whatever, but just like 10% Lycra. It's yeah. 15% Hispanic. It's a little yeah. bit of stuff and it's a hug. It's just a hug. It's like tuxedo pants with a little adjuster. Oh yeah. Those side pants. They, yeah. they should make it on every <laughs> pair of pants. I love tuxedo pants. Um, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna agree with Rush. Just, just I will only wear those little stretchy pants now. That was uh, Case Clay's argument on that. No, no pure cotton. Give me that. Give me that blend. That blend right. with the yeah. blend with the give. Yeah. 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 How about from a puzzle? Um, not a jigsaw puzzle so much, but like a crossword or a Sudoku. Or if you sit down with a puzzle, what's the single most determining factor for your enjoyment of uh, puzzling? 
there's gonna be an there's always a brute force solution. There's always you can just with the Sudoku just try to pick one box, try every number. You know, kind of a computer might solve it, but it's got to have an elegant solution. Okay. There's nothing that drives me more crazy than these puzzles or games. And a rush plays a lot of games and things, and just like, oh, you're supposed to be completely counterintuitive the entire time, and, and or, or yeah, that may not be the best example, but just things that are like, you know. There's got to be an elegant solution. You've got to be able to figure it out without just brute force. Uh, done. For me, I would say uh, level difficulty sweet spot. Like I want it to be. Um, there's, there's. I really like. I, I don't like super hard puzzles. I don't like ones where we're sitting around for five hours, or let alone, you know, these things that are like. It took a man two years to mm-hmm. solve it, but like, isn't that awesome? Like, I want. I'd much rather have a bunch of puzzles that each take two or three minutes. So they're just, they're hard enough to give you that, whatever it is, you know, endorphin rush from solving it where you're like, yes. Ah, I, and, and like when you get a puzzle, right. It, you have to know that you got it right. That's a problem. <laughs> That's a problem with a puzzle where I'm like three eighths. Oh yeah. Turns out three eighths, but it was kind of a guess and not like, it needs to like snap in where yeah. you're like, yes, that's how you do it. You pour the water in there and then you pour it back in there. And now I got it. You the know, moment you when you that. feel the like vault door, the, the, the bars give or whatever, uh, when you turn yeah, the dial, yeah, you feel yeah, the bars yeah. give. Yes. It has to make that satisfying. As you open the click and it pulls, I mean, how about a painting? Wow. Okay. Um, well, there's certainly that whole, I don't know art, but I know what I like. Yeah. Great. <laughs> kind of thing. Um, it's like, it's like kangaroo fighting shape. You know it when you see it. You, know, you, can't, you can't define it. <laughs> Pornography, kangaroo <laughs> fighting shape. There's just some things you have to, you have to see. I would see. take the over on that guy finding a kangaroo. <laughs> I can't explain it, but, uh, um, and I, I want to give a better answer than you just know it when you see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the the good paintings here we go. The good paintings I've seen are uh, there is some there is some chaos, there is some disorder, but there's also some order. And uh, if I can be really snotty and drop a painter's name, please do. Uh, uh, Gerhard Richter. All uh, right, my my one and only. Uh, <laughs> All right, name drop painter name. But he he did, he did a lot of paintings, and he could be he's still alive actually barely, but uh, uh, he could do a, a lot of just many different styles from photorealism to just complete, you know, blobs of color or something. Uh, but, but in his best stuff and, and some, a few Dali things, not all of his stuff where you've got this like collision of order and chaos. He would do these things where he would do blurry photographs, like an old take an old black and white snapshot. And Gerhard Richter would repaint it. You can recognize this is like a holiday picture, but it's blurred and it's fuzzy and it's blurred in such a way that it's not, it's not just, it, there's some thought into the blurriness. You know, uh, Dali has this painting. It's like scientists lifting the cuticle of a piano. That's the name, <laughs> but it's weird. And it's a Dali dreamscape. But in the middle of the picture is a piano. And it's as though you had taken a sheet, tightly fitting sheet over the piano and painted it exactly like a piano and then took the piano away. And then the scientists are lifting this sheet up, oh, this piano painted cool. sheet. But it's got 88 keys. They're all in the right place. You know, he probably had to get a ruler out. Say I would have a ruler to get that piano right. And, and, it, and so I think it's that collision of order and chaos that is just 
really cool to me. Very uh, cool. Uh, yeah. Very cool. Rush? Uh, I like the, that's an interesting answer. I was just, I was Googling uh, that Salvador Dali because that, that sounded cool to me. I do like Richter. Um, I, although the Richter stuff that I am used to is the uh, bright color uh, kind of Jackson Pollocky style, but not quite as not quite as drippy. But it's like a, a clash of bright colors. And I do you think go older, me, you gotta go older Richter stuff is a bit more. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's, where are you on the Richter scale? You know? <laughs> um, but so for me, I'd say I, I I mean I like a lot of different stuff, but but kind of strong, bright, bold color uh, crossing a lot of different uh, genres and and uh, and eras is something that I, I keep coming back to. So I love like Van Gogh um, uh, and the Expressionists because they were they were famed for bold use of color. I like them. I, I, I do like the Impressionists, but I like the Expressionists more. And uh, we've talked about like Mondrian, who TJ thinks it's crazy that I like, Ugh. but I like just the, uh, you know. It's, it always color. reminds me of like the packaging for, I think, Studio from L'Oreal, I believe, is the... It's just well, like black right, line, yeah, blue yeah. box, blue blue square, yellow yellow triangle or whatever, yellow rectangle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and if I'm if I'm having to pick, uh, you know, a, a shampoo or whatever right. uh, studio <laughs> yeah, is, right. so, <laughs> that's that's what I would like to have. Uh, last one for you, gentlemen: a piece of pie. Largest determining factor as to what you whether you're going to enjoy a piece of pie. Crust. Okay. Crust. Agreed. Crust. Great. It's got to be there. It can't be totally soaked in the goo and lose its crust nature. Are you okay with that on the bottom, as long as that's not the case on the top? Or do you want a crisp, uh, a, a crispness all the way, all the way I need around? A good crust, three sixty. Okay, if it's great. Just on the bottom. Uh, I do. I know. I love goo. Uh, you know, pecan <laughs> pie these days has gotten to be like kitchen sink pie. And I miss yeah. the old grandma where there's just a thin layer of whole pecans on the top or half pecans. And oh, just yeah. A mountain of goo. I am fine with that as long as the crust is a crust. Okay. And not a goo ball, you know. <laughs> and I'll but you said a 360 pie. crust, but just to be clear, you did not mean you need an encased pie. You just need, you need the bottom and then up the sides, and it's got to be good. That is crust. Wherever Great. the crust is, it needs to be crust. All right. Yeah. I love I love the crust as well. All right, so we started um, and, and finishing up this episode of A Land Down uh, Under Over. And this is that you guys, here's the situation. You are spies. Yep. And you have to go and pick a profession. Uh, it has to be a profession that has some level of uh, expertise or special knowledge to it. Um, and that has to be expertise or technical knowledge that you don't have. But that you think you you would be the best at baking for the longest amount of time before you get caught. So you know, a, a acceptable answer, architect. Not an acceptable answer would be uh, like a mover. Okay. okay. Sure. I go ahead, Billy. Well, uh, the first thing that jumped to my mind, and this might be right on that line, is kind of you know tennis without a net here. <clears throat> but is tour guide? Ah, I had that. I had that down as a museum guide, maybe. Yeah, but yeah, right, is, right. That, is that a little tennis without a net? Are we not going to accept that one? I guess that's okay. So you're saying that the specialized knowledge is you have to know what the hell these paintings slash well, uh, I think, I think uh, buildings are. I think I could be, 
if you put me in a certain museum, certainly anything World War II aviation related, I could easily, <laughs> but that might be unfair. <laughs> uh, well, uh, I have one that's like that where I know a little bit about it, but if you drop me in as like an MLB baseball manager, I don't have <laughs> nearly have that level of, of understanding, but I know where all the guys go and stuff like that. Uh, you know, like also, I want to I want to read the book fifty years later about the manager that was a spy, <laughs> you know, and like, stealing stealing signs. You know, they Hell, say they say we Glenn were... Miller. They say Glenn Miller might have been a spy. Uh, you know, that, that all during World War II that he got access to all these countries and he was he was actually passing passing secrets. I think they he vanished. Right? Did his plane vanish, Glenn Miller? Is that right, Billy? Do you know? Yeah, uh, yeah, I think he, yeah, he died. Yeah, in a plane, okay. either crash or un, uh, lost, lost at sea. Gotcha. I yeah, yeah. I think I could, if to be more challenging, I think I could BS my way through like a science lab. Uh, uh, you know, I, I did. I'm not saying I'm, I'm certainly no Hugh Jackman or, or L. McPherson <laughs> level of charisma, but you get me in a room of of science nerds, and I am. I'm amazing. I'm going to keep them enthralled. And I think I could just live in that world long enough, put me in a managerial role, perhaps, where I can, you know, I'm not having to produce the science every day and do the math. Uh, but I think I could just charm everybody, if, charm those people, charm if, those people pretty good. If you drop me in, Rush, as like, so you just tune in and I'm doing the interstitials of a pledge drive on PBS during one of those doo-wop shows where I'd be like, oh, the flamingos, guys, the ink spots. Good. Give it up for the silhouettes, you know, like that kind of thing. I could, I could kind of kill at that, like, like, like that doo-wop stuff. Like, oh yeah, man. Back in the old quick anecdote. Back in the old days when they would do those pledge drives live, uh, I had a buddy who would always tune in. He was, but he would call in every time they had a wide shot. He would quickly call in and then hang up and see if he could see someone <laughs> the pick up the phone and then like. <laughs> and like, nod. There's no one there. You guys mentioned, I had this written down before you mentioned it, that it came up in a lot of your shows. But if you gave me 15 minutes and the general rules, I could host a game show for you. Pretty, 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 oh, yeah. pretty sufficiently. Yeah, I'm not sure that one takes specialized uh, <laughs> or knowledge. That, that one takes a nice head of hair. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> not sure How about running a lawn and garden center? Yeah, absolutely. I could, I could, I could fake my way through running a lawn and garden center. Yeah, yeah. I think I could probably work at an airport. <laughs> I think I could. Just, I'm not saying it doesn't require specialized knowledge, but I feel like they're going to do like air traffic. I have to say, short of the tower, right? You're not going to be up there pushing yeah, tin, are you? Seem, they just seem generally overstaffed in a way. And there's always people walking around, and they have they're doing something. I'm not saying they're understaffed, but just. There's gate agents at gates where there's no people. They're just yeah. at the they're just at the kiosk, you know, wait for the next flight. Who knows what they're doing, you know? <laughs> those gate agents, you know. I, I think I could, you know, you put someone in a vest and the slacks I, and a little tie. Yeah, like, you I think you could go like two weeks before anybody would even be like, "Who do you work for?" Who, exactly. You know? Which airline are you with? Like, I I think the danger for Billy and I is we we get too good at this job that we forget to do the spying. I think that's <laughs> I think I think I think that's the real danger. Not that we get you know, not that we get uh, called out for not being what this job is, but that we get called out for not doing any spying while we're in there. Like. In two days, yeah. pull you out. No, no, no. Right. I'm, I'm a gate agent for Delta. Um, I right. thought it was Delta. Right. Hey, hold on, hold on. I don't want to know. I don't want to know about this assassination. This guy over here is using the wrong mulch. He's he's trying to make a, a spring garden. He's using fall mulch. I, 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 TJ, uh, TJ, you're not a lawn and garden. What? 
You don't work here. <laughs> well, I'm pulling a paycheck. I better. The is over. I'm going to earn it. Four months ago, <laughs> you've been off the grid. You haven't been calling in. You haven't done your drops. <laughs> Billy, uh, we we enjoy you so very very much. Um, thank you for thank you for spending this this time with us, man. This was a real it was a blast, you guys. It's a, a blast, real hoop. especially the world being what it is. And any chance to get out, <laughs> people and and do things is fantastic. And really enjoy the show and uh, play along at home all the time. So this was cool to get up and, and play for real. And uh, best of luck to well, all y'all. We'll see if and, you have this experience. When you listen to this episode, see if you still agree with what you thought. Because <laughs> Rush and I... Have... Who said I said that? <laughs> I... Oh, my God. Yeah. Greg, Norman. Greg Norman's never going to win. Never. Yeah, we ran it again? No way. Uh, I'm Googling Greg Norman now. <laughs> to see who we sent to the finals. We want to thank Billy, uh, Nate for doing the producing, Julie who did our music, Emily who did our, our artwork, and uh, this is cool. Next week, I think, uh, our friend Adel will be will be joining us for, for an episode, so if you're enjoying enjoying having these guests, getting a little break from Rush and I prattling on, I, I'm thinking that's the right word of that, is prattle? Yeah, prattle on? Prattle? Okay. Phenomenal. Then, uh, then you'll then you'll enjoy uh, enjoy next week as well. Thanks a bunch for listening. Um, we hope to talk to you soon. Bye bye. <laughs>